Hello and welcome to Relationship Rescue. Every relationship begins with you. I am Heather Carter, CEO and founder of Relationship Rescue. And today um, I am really going to touch on why you are stuck, completely 100% stuck in your reactions, in your emotions, in your limbic system in your old reptile brain. And I really want you to take notes and pay attention because it's this happens to every single person you know. Every person you're in a relationship, every coworker, every spouse, every partner, every sibling, there's not a person alive that what I'm about to teach you does not this does not affect, right? So, I need you to please pay attention. So, um, according to Dr. Alan Shore of the UCLA Medical School, and also I've read this in many, many other books on neuroscience and other places, that the human cerebral cortex adds about 70% of its final DNA content after birth. And this expanding brain is directly influenced by early environmental enrichment and social experiences. What does that mean? It means nature versus nurture. Yes, you are born a certain way, nature, but your nurturing environment basically expands your brain and is influenced, the expanding of your brain, right, is influenced by that early environment. So who we are is not simply genetic right? Okay. It's tied to the quality of early care we received. So that prefrontal cortex of the brain is really important for the retention of um, autobiographical memory. Um, And it's not fully formed until age two. But here's the thing. It goes on developing throughout life. So that means our biology is, you know what, guess what? It's developing throughout life, right? So that means um, that that prefrontal cortex is responsive to and develops in accord with what? Our interpersonal experiences, okay? So this makes it possible to understand while re- why relationships make such an impression on us. Okay, are you with me so far? <laughs> I hope so. Um, because... More and more research shows that the qualities that define ourselves, the self, right, in us are not located in the single place in our brain, but it's distributed throughout the body. And I'm going to stop there for now, right? But um, in physical terms, what I want you to understand is that there is no one thinker, right? There's not one control tower, no one operating at the central switchboard that is turning on and off everything. You are affected emotionally throughout your entire body. And they're now doing more and more research on the DNA of, you know, the trauma of grandparents and how it's, you know, it's carried out down cellularly and everything, all of that stuff. But I'm not going into that today. I want you to... Remember this, that 70% of the final DNA in the human cerebral cortex is added after birth, and it's based on and expanded by 
the early environmental enrichment, the social experiences, the things that you go through, how people treat you, right? So what tells us the truth more than anything? Our visceral reaction tells us the truth. I, when I teach my clients and I talk to them, I let them know that I know I'm triggered when I feel it. I feel something first. And when I feel it, meaning I get hot, my face gets hot, I want to cry, whatever it is, I then stop to think, what is my thought? Because I know that that thought is that automatic negative thought that the ego is telling me. But it's always and viscerally first. Now, here's the thing. You've most likely conditioned yourself, which is what I did for years and years and years, and might feel it, but our mind, we've conditioned our mind to say, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Why did we say that? Why do we say that? Because that's what got us through childhood or through whatever the things that we experienced that we just had to push through. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's okay. How Do you know how many times I have heard it wasn't that bad, though, Heather. It wasn't that bad. Well, it was that bad. No, it, your experience wasn't my experience. My experience wasn't your experience, obviously. But for you, you didn't experience my experience. So for you, your experience was that bad for you. You can't compare. But we're so used to saying, well, it wasn't that bad. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. When it actually freaking is. It was a big deal. And it is, it is a big deal today. So um, if you can stop and check in with that bodily reaction, right? And you can, when you detect anger, it, it might come in the um, clenched uh, jaw or even a fist, right? Um, when we can open our energy to feel that anger consciously, then you can declare, I am enraged, or I am angry, I am this. And to disregard that feeling leads you to people-pleasing, sadness, depression, okay? Our mental attitude becomes confused. And um, we stay stuck. We stay stuck. Because we say, it's not a big deal. It wasn't that bad. People had it worse than me. No shit, people had it worse than you. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of worse than me, right? Everybody does, but it was a big deal. It is a big deal. What you're going through right now is a big deal. And you're, if you're stuck in these relationships that are unhealthy and toxic and with everybody, by the way, your children, your, your, obviously your partner, your spouse, your coworkers, it's a big freaking deal. Okay. It's a big deal. And start realizing, yeah, guess what? I feel like shit. And, uh, um, I'm feeling some real tension here in my body. I'm not going to or, or ignore this because this is a big deal. And if I don't start to tune into what I'm feeling, if I don't start to tune into my emotions that are based on the development that I grew up in, that, that, that those social experiences within the house and outside of the house, I'm going to be in big trouble because I'm going to end up alone. And that's the truth. Or you're going to end up just unhealthy in toxic, horrible relationships. And then most likely, man possibly, how about that? Manifest some disease in your body. Uh, blah, blah, blah. doesn't look good. So, um, now, it doesn't mean, okay, so this stuff means good. This is good. This isn't like to give you bad news. I'm giving you good news because just because the way um, we were treated, okay, so however your parents treated you or your peers or whoever, 
it becomes a part of our enduring belief, enduring, okay, not enduring, I know my accent comes out sometimes, but what to expect of others and the world. So that is why when you are, um, you seem to react the same way to everybody, right, uh, in some form, it's because we um, we base our expectations of the way people are going to treat us and the way our parents treated us. And that is wrong. Hello, can I say it again? That is wrong. But we believe it. We expect it. We feel it. And we make it true. And so we are prepared for their the, the treatment from somebody else, the way um, the, our parents treated us or whoever it was in your childhood, right? So um, history is not just a mental memory, right? Um, it's basically also mental. It's physical. It's all of these things. And we have to get past our past physically because it's the, that emotion. When we feel something is what keeps us tied to it. That feeling, the emotion. So we have to start... Um, Feeling the emotions and not suppressing them, not pushing them down. Okay. So um, let's say you had a controlling mother that, um, let's see, also just protected you, right? So you have this controlling, protecting mother. So the price of her protection was what? Well, your silence in the face of her infringements or, you know, on your boundaries, right? You couldn't have any boundaries. Because she was controlling and protecting you. So now what happens when you grow up? You get older. Well, now you contemplate confronting the boss or the authority figure at work. Okay? Um, why? Because guess what? The boss is controlling. They're in control, of course. And um, you are basing the expectation of how your mother treated you on that boss and you're complying just the way you did. Now, so when people say to women, why didn't you do something with the boss and the, the um, that's like basically sexually abusing you or sexually um, harassing you? A lot of people that didn't have a voice as a child don't have a voice in that office, right? It's the same thing, okay? Um, and so... We actually have the same reactions to people that we had when we wanted to speak up against our mother or our father or whoever it was, and we didn't. Because why? Even sometimes, even the idea of speaking to your mother or your father now haunts you, gives you, gives you fear, right? Because the body is not as easily convinced of safety as the mind, right? So it's that feeling, it's the emotion that's the thing. So um, we're challenged in working through these transferences, right? So the transference to the boss from the mother is you are the one that's um, in control. And um, I guess you're going to keep me, you know, safe. So you get to infringe on my boundaries. And you've transferred that to everybody in your life. Now, that means we're in trouble, right? Because our stresses from our childhood and the present are deeply encoded in the body. So they're going to read out as the muscle tension, um, you know, constrictions in our posture and our breathing. And, you know, what we're feeling physiologically and physically is giving us crucial information 
about our unconscious processes, but we continue to ignore them. The first step is to start paying attention and noticing them, right? Um, give these physical and physiological sensations the attention and time they deserve, right? So um, emotional reactions are stored, okay? And, and, and this is fact in the memories, in, which is in the amygdala, which is a structure in that old brain, the limbic system, that becomes functional as early as birth. So now, pay attention. Pay attention. Are you paying attention? Ch slap your cheek a little bit because this is really... Do you hear me slapping mine? <laughs> pay attention. Okay? Experiences of the past, therefore, guess what? Remain physically present in our body, our mind, and the behavior. And basically, that's called your personality, okay? So that landscape becomes what it is because of the years of whatever you are weathering, okay? So um, we are the way we are because of all the conditions we have weathered. We are permanently affected by those events, those traumas, those memories. And we store them as like nice, thick, big freaking photo albums in our bodies, right? So what does this mean? That the human personality is really not a solid reality, but it's a pattern that keeps changing with time and circumstances, with more shit that you store in the memory, in the amygdala with the emotions. The memory is the, the experience, of the, which is the hippocampus, right? So um, it's not like some statue done in once and for all. We're like, okay, this is it. No, we're continuously adding and guess what? Based on the childhood wounding, we continue adding the same what? Same experiences and emotions that we had with our parents or caregivers, whoever, with our adult relationships. So we keep staying stuck in the same emotions by the same limiting beliefs, by the same experiences, and nothing changes. And we wonder why we are in shitty relationships. Hello. I love you. That's why I'm like, I know I get so, you know, I, I'm, I need to stop sometimes and say, Heather, you did not know any of this, obviously, right? And so I just want you to live this life you deserve and desire. And I know nothing's changing until you get this part of it. I know this. I promise you, you leave this relationship and it's in turmoil and you've done no healing. You will move into a new relationship with the same baggage, the same garbage, the same experiences, the same emotions. And not only will they be from all everything from childhood through, but also you will have added on top of it what just happened in this relationship. Okay, so what happens when we're stressful and fear in these our relationships? Well, we, you know, I've said it before, we release cortisol. That hormone is secre secreted by those adrenal glands. That's why they say, you know what, the adrenals are um, depleted. That's what that means. That's why you physically you get exhausted and all of those things. Okay, so now, now that means we're in a state of high alert, which also is going to release that neurotransmitter norepinephrine, okay? And that chemical carries those electrical impulses um, basically across our brain synapses. Now, what does that mean? It means that our mental reactions prepare us. We're preparing ourselves, guess what? To face what we perceive as danger, whether it is real or not. And all these 
nice little chemicals and all this dangerous stuff. It brings us fully in tune to the present and basically our reactions are ready. We're ready to fight. Fight the fight. Let me just tell you, partner, you're an asshole. Or we're ready to flee. I'm withdrawing. I'm withdrawing. Don't come after me, you pursuer. Now, the events in the past, ready, that were threatening, abusive, overwhelming, they produce those lifelong somatic effects, which is anxiety, depression, a need for constant vigilance, and so on. So now, guess what happens in the neocortex, okay? This is where the words and the logic reside. But, okay, we cannot talk ourselves out of the recorded cellularly information that we've recorded. We can't talk ourselves out of it. We cannot do it. That is why they are out of control triggered reactions. You, Your mind cannot talk yourself off the cliff. And in fact, are you ready for this? In fact, during stress, what happens? There's a decrease in oxygen to that left hemisphere of the brain and there's an increase, guess where? Ah, you ready? The right hemisphere. What's in the right hemisphere? Well, that is um, exactly where our emotions and the bodily reactions occur. So this is why, um, let's see, maybe you are tongue-tied when you're highly aroused, right? Um, by fear and desire, or you're immobilized, you're fighting, you're fleeing, whatever you're doing, we're paralyzed, you know? Um, so one of the things is, you know, my dad, <clears throat> you guys know, he was an alcoholic and, um, you know, he would come home and when he did come home and I would wake up to a pig fest. It was just disgusting, right? And the stink and stench of alcohol and food all over the kitchen. And it was just pitiful and it made me sick and it made me angry. Oh, I was angry, right? And so now, if I were to be married to an alcoholic, which I was married to an alcoholic long, long ago, to a functioning alcoholic who has since gone to AA and he's an amazing man and he was then but it wasn't the even though he wasn't my dad okay was not my dad but the stink was still there the mess in the kitchen would still be there at times what did that do i became paralyzed i couldn't do it and i couldn't control the reactions right why because the hippocampus integrates implicit memories into a comprehensible whole, right? So um, when it's blocked by trauma or high stress, an, an event cannot be processed. I could not process those events from childhood. I couldn't do it, right? So they're basically all indicators of what? The vulnerability of a memory to factors that are beyond our control. I can't, I couldn't control it, right? And it's paralyzing. So the hippocampus, which is located in the midbrain, are the memories of the personal history, okay? And it's um, and, and they're put into a correct space-time sequence. What, where, how, when things happened. Now, this is where short-term memory is stored in a correctly short-term way. But when long-term high stress is suffered in childhood, which is what most of us did, suffered from, I suffered greatly, as most of you probably, 
There is cell loss to the hippocampus. Did you hear me? There is actual cell loss. That means that something that is past is revived in us now that is that is like it's like um as if it were a short-term memory. Right? So it gives us that impression that it's happening now when actually it happened a very long time ago. And that is the very definition of what? Of transference. So that is why I experience transference if I am with somebody that is alcoholic. I smell the alcohol. I see the food in the kitchen. I'm transferring my father right onto that person and I react the way I reacted when I found my father in that same thing, which was ugly and angry. I did not withhold ever. Do you see this? So that sense of present danger, I felt danger. It increases the stress. And now the norepinephrine, what, what does that do? It keenly helps us recall all those dangerous events, our fear reactions and long-term memory. So we can learn what we used before to face the danger, the same danger we're going to face in the immediate present. And guess what? We are ready. And that transference seems very real in that moment. And boy, does it ever. So let's go back then to what I said in the beginning. You know, the UCL Medical Center and what everything I'm reading that basically the, the, the cerebral cortex adds about 70% of its final DNA, DNA content after birth. It's this expanding brain is directly influenced by the early environment enrichment and the social experiences you have as an infant, as a child throughout childhood. So it's not simply genetic, but it's tied to the quality of the early care we received. Okay? And it goes on developing throughout life. Woo! Woo! God, do you see, you know? So this is why we're stuck in hyper, you know, uh, arousal. Our coping defenses, fight, flee, immobilize, we freeze. A chronic, you know, state of basically being prepared for danger. We're going to react. We're going to react. We're ready. We're ready. Because why? Trauma interrupts the natural regression from, you know, arousal to reaction to defense. And we are constantly on guard. We're trapped in the freeze response or the fight response, which, guess what? The freeze response explains why some people do not move or take action against abuse in the adult relationship. That's why the person doesn't leave the office of the piece of shit boss fondling them, right? Because they feel they have very little choice. They fully feel it and they're transferring in that moment. Transference is happening onto the other person that's abusing them. They're being abused like they were in childhood and they freeze like they did in childhood. Or if you're me, you're going to fight back. And I fought back every time. And I'm not saying that's a great thing, but what's better? I don't know. Neither. You shouldn't even be in the position in the first place to be abused as a child that you have to either flee or you have to fight or freeze. You shouldn't be in it, but we were, right? So you will transfer those feelings, those emotions, those memories, those experiences onto whoever is in front of you and you're feeling that same experience and you will use the same reaction. Do you understand why you are stuck? 
why you keep repeating the same, same toxic environment, why you keep dancing the fear dance, why you stay stuck in the drama triangle. You got to stop running. You got to stop running, right? Okay, you know, um, we have to stay put and stand our ground, right? We have to, you know what? face the truth of our experiences. It's not about talking about your past over and over and over and over and over again. I talk about past with my clients once. I need to see how deep this wound is and what are we going to do about it. But I don't talk about it over and over, right? You know, there's this movie called The Last Kiss and um, there's a metaphor where they, you know, they stay, staying in it is very clear. So this young couple, they face this crisis, right? And the man, he's been unfaithful to the woman. She kicks him out of the house. He knows the relationship's valuable. He's sad and he, and he loves her and, you know, and he wants things to work out. He wants forgiveness. So he sits on the porch and he keeps telling his partner, I'm not leaving until you're ready to talk it out with him. And he just remains at that part, rain, shine, night, day, and lets her see how repentant he is. And after a very suitable interval, well, she lets him in. And it's about staying in it and it's a fact. We stay put often, you know what, in ways that show I am sorry. Those are the keys to some of these, you know, when, when we're in relationships to, for, to looking for forgiveness. It's not running away from the emotions. It's facing these things that we do, how we feel. It's sharing, you know. When we freeze like a deer in headlights or we run away and flee, that stress is going to keep happening to you. You're going to continue to bring those circumstances into your life, right? So, you know, I, I call it pause for the cause, which is basically instead of when there's a stressful event in a relationship, instead of fighting, fleeing, or freezing, we need to see ourselves, okay? And imagine ourselves breathing, and you have to pause and breathe, pause and breathe. Deep breaths, okay? And, and just pausing stops the immediate reaction. That's just the beginning, obviously. But it's so important, right? Because we want to stop either freezing, fighting, or fleeing. That's the key, right? And obviously, we need to heal in order for that to happen. But pausing for the cause, pausing for whatever the cause is, the relationship, whatever it is, right? It's That means you're going to give yourself the choice of freedom. Freedom to be you. Freedom to love your partner the way they deserve to be loved and the way you deserve to be loved. When we can pause in the face of any stimulus, any circumstance, we can get our bearings. That is the key. You got to get your bearings before the reactions begin, before the drama triangle starts, before the fear dance starts, right? So we, and that enables us to make that choice to, you know what, um, be in loving and safety and kindness for ourselves and others, right? We don't need to be enraged. We don't need to chase the person down that cut us off in traffic, <laughs> We need to pause, pause for the cause. It's what I tell, again, my clients over and over, pause for the cause. Let the adrenal, adrenaline 
subside a little because it's adrenaline that gets you going. So the adrenaline needs to stop, right? So that means pause for the cause and breathe. It means pause for the cause, get go outside of your house and walk. Do something that allows that adrenaline, the cortisol, to stop and slow down. Because that, once that cortisol starts, once you think you're in danger, it's hard to stop it. Okay, until next time. I care, I love you. I hope you are having the best day, night, morning, whatever time it is, wherever you are, um, evening, ever. And um, yeah, if you're ready to heal, if you're ready to heal in your relationship and your relationship heal, there's, you can click that link um, to sign up for a free clarity call. Know this, don't take the call unless you're serious because um, I'm really, really gotten um, with. It's so strict. I'm, if you're not ready, you're not ready.